the entire world thought that the future of work is remote, right? And we thought differently. The future of work, we believe, is not remote, right? The future of work is freedom and liberty. That's what people want. People don't want remote work. People just want freedom, liberty, and opportunity to work on their terms. That's what's happening. It, what's happening is not the, 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 the talk of war against, oh, I want to work from home or not. No. The deep conversation is around, I want the freedom and I want you to respect that. <laughs> and I want you to allow me as a professional to express my creativity where, when, and how I want to do it. And that's what people are looking for. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and today's guest is Samuel Ekpe. Samuel is the co-founder and CEO of Grupa, a Berkeley Skydeck-backed startup, which is a two-sided marketplace matching FANG engineers with startups for cash and equity. Sam is himself an engineer, was previously a co-founder and CEO for Lookaround LLC. In this episode, we talk about changing workplace expectations, the leadership challenges of a startup, and the opportunities for finding meaning through work in a post-pandemic workplace. Well, Sam, thank you for joining me today on Impactor. It's a pleasure to be here, um, Dr. White. Well, I'm so excited. Our mutual employee, my graduate student and uh, your employee, uh, IV Indraja, um, connected us. And I'm really excited to get together with you today. She's very excited to be working for your company. And I'm excited to learn about it. I know you came from Nigeria here not too long ago and started Grupa. And I really love to just get started by learning about your story. How did you become an entrepreneur? You know, what's your background? How did you end up uh, here in the United States and, and building Grupa? Oh my God. Um, so yeah, how did I become an entrepreneur? I think I was born in an entrepreneurial family. Um, uh-huh. my, my, my mom was always um, very entrepreneurial. Back in Nigeria, I grew up in the Northern part of Nigeria. So we had this, massive um, hectare of land and we're just um, leveraging what we could to be able to build out economic value there, right? So then it was having this large farm, large scale farms. I was the one doing the sales, <laughs> I was taking it out. But more importantly, I was passionate about connecting people, all right? And for me, I found that as a means to be able to connect um, with customers, to be able to engage people and um, I've been so passionate about engineering. So I started coding when I was 13 years old um, back in Nigeria. And I was very lucky to have parents um, who were very supportive, very educative. Um, and so I moved um, down to the, the western part of Nigeria and did my undergrad there. Uh, I was trying to come to the U.S. to, to go to MIT. And then <laughs> I then I just fell in love with startups. So like, what can we do to make massive change rather than just um, studying more, right? And so I started building startups. And um, one particular time when I was shutting down one of my old companies, I met many founders who had gone to Y Combinator and they were trying to raise some money. They were trying to build products and they were struggling with accessing talent. That got me on this mission to first initially, can we help them hire remote talent? 
And then we noticed that the entire world became remote and our thesis of how can we help startup win was no longer viable. And so I moved down to the Bay Area in May um, last year to say, hey, can we search for a better business model that's going to be scalable and repeatable? And that's when we found that many of the FANG engineers from Facebook, Google, Bay Area, um, FANG companies were already bored and they were looking for what's next. They were reassessing their current priorities. They were looking to build the next big thing. And so that's where we, that's the story about how Group of found, got founded, where we started saying, what if we could connect startups to work with these people who are looking for the next big thing without having to risk their current job or leave their current job? And so that's the story. That's, there's a lot of interesting things in there that I'd love to dig into. Um, a little bit off subject, Nigeria has a pretty thriving entrepreneurial climate, doesn't it? Because I've met with and talked to a lot of folks and in fact, some faculty from Nigeria. So it's very popular there. Yeah, very, very um, dynamic um, founders are coming out from Nigeria. Um, many people building for the continent, many people building for the country. For me, I, I, I really wanted to build for the world, right? I wanted to, that's part of why I came to debate. Because I felt like this was not just a problem for one region. This was a global phenomenon. And COVID had impacted the entire world. And I felt like this is an opportunity to ride the wave to create something that's going to transform the world. Yeah. And and I guess secondarily, the timing of what you're doing is just perfect because everybody is facing talent issues. You know, we're right now just in my center and my program, we're trying to hire three people. And, you know, we usually get hundreds of applications and this year it looks really different. So it's, it's always been important for startups as well. And as you, as you pointed out, we, with the pandemic, we've really changed the way that we look at working remotely and even the whole, I think, side gig uh, work has taken off. And that's kind of what group of builds on, right? Could you talk a little bit, you mentioned FANG engineers, and I know that's Facebook, Apple, Amazon network, and Google. So we're talking about connecting uh, these high level engineers that work for these companies with startups uh, as a side gig. Would that be a good description of what Grupa does? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a good description, but I think what's more accurate is we're living in new pheno phenomena of how work is transformed. The last hundred years, work has not changed, but COVID has you know, created this massive constraint that now work is changing. And so um, the, the decade of people working for one company is changing. Right. And people are looking for more dynamic, more personal and more, you know, purposeful work. And so before now, side gig has always been either looked as either, you know, menial or, you know, um, you know, less serious or, you know, non, non impactful work. But now people are going to look for, you know, where to find meaning beyond just their normal jobs that don't satisfy them. And so why we, why we started with these people is because they currently earn like 800K in the median and so they're not looking for money they're looking for purpose and so we wanted to connect them and not just something they can work on the side but something they can really find as exciting all right um ways to be able to engage in intellectual stimulating um you know activities that help them build the next big thing that's that's always been core thesis of silicon valley and so we are trying to create a new economy we call the co-creator economy and not just that it's the side gig economy so that's how work is transforming. So you say you said it's not just a side gig, it's a co 
what did you call it? Co-creator economy. Co-creator economy. I like that. So this whole co-creator economy um, means that we're, you know, I I think about the students that I'm preparing for the workplace. And it's really, it feels like to me, it's about developing a skill set that's transferable, right? Uh, From organization to organization. And your co-creator concept is, you know, you may work with someone for a while and then move somewhere else. And it's not just moving companies, um, you know, it's, it's moving project to project and maybe, but maybe even moving company to company with the same team from time to time. Would, they, would you say that's correct? Yeah. Um, the, the co-creator economy is a new economy that initially started from Silicon Valley, which is, has always been, before now, it has been, employers hiring employees to work with them and give them equity. That's how it, it was. That was the first, I would call it co-creator version one. But the new version of co-creator is going to be on the internet with teams of people coming together. And that's why we call it grouper, right? because team together, they go further. And then they come, they work together with, with startups and they create value and own a piece of this value right? with equity. And then this is now going to create a new kind of economy where people Feel like you know what I can have, let's say my normal day job, and I can co-create value on, with people and own part of that value that's created, and that's what we call the co-creator economy. Yeah, that's great, and and you know you're so smart in a lot of ways to start with this group of people that have been actually working collaboratively, remotely, and uh, across boundaries. Uh, for a long time, right? I mean, some of us, this is, you know, in the education space, for example, we were we were teaching some distance courses, but we really ramped up and learned a lot during the pandemic. But you're working with a group of people that have been comfortable with this kind of work for a long time, wouldn't you say? Yes, yes. Um, for, for a long time, humans have always craved to connect. This craving has existed. And this group is not new. Right, group has always happened, just like Uber and Lyft were not new. We've always hailed the cab, hailed cars or hailed strangers' cars on the street. But what has always happened was it's been risky. It's been hard to pull off. There's not been system to streamline the engagement. It's been hard for both sides to manage expectations. It's been hard to really drive you know, outcomes from the engagement. And so that's why we really want to thought that it made sense to create a new institution that really brings um, order to the chaos. All right. And that's that's the opportunity. Opportunity is digitizing this engagement and making this engage this collaboration that always happened um, offline before, even though it's coming online or making it to even happen at scale for them to even meet new people in the network. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for the entrepreneur, the startup who's trying to hire these people, it gives them more access, right? Greater access, more direct access and more clarity about the kinds of um, skill sets that an individual might bring to their startup, right? Yeah, it's, it's startup by default. The way we see startup, they're default dead, right? Yeah. So a startup is default dead. They're trying to survive. And I don't think it's the time for experimentation with people who they're not good enough, right? So today, the way the world exists is a startup founder has to compromise on talent. It doesn't have capital, compromise a lot of things to be able to get. So it's always a struggle. It's like it's fighting death. Right? What if it doesn't have to be that way? We're trying to find a new way. A new way is we can create a new economy where a founder can say, hey, I want to build the next Facebook, the next Twitter. And then you can find um, people who have been there, done that some way or had, have 
adjacent experience or have teams of friends that they have worked together before in some way in, the, in that kind of industry, then they can connect together and work, right? And help at least reduce the odds of, of failure for this founder. And today, uh, innovation is centralized. Centralized, even though we are still in the era of remote work, but innovation is still centralized in big tech. Our yeah. mission is to democratize access and decentralize it, allow any founder anywhere to build the next big thing. That's our mission. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, there's a couple of questions I think that everybody's probably interested in as they're listening to this, if they're entrepreneurial. And that is, how do you make money with this model? This model, um, today we make money by charging 20% of the compensation um, to these people. Um, that's, that's the primary model. But as we grow, we, we see opportunities, a lot of opportunities in, you know, creating a SaaS engagement tool that help manage the workflows, right? We think that ultimately we are going to create something like Waze, but for product innovation, help people direct the path towards building. Because that's, that's the biggest problem. It's not just that it's, it's finding people, it's managing engagement and it's knowing where are we going, right? How can we get there faster? How can we be more you know, optimal? How can we go with less time? Right, what should we focus on? And all those intelligence into the development process is what we're going to build next to start charging monthly and also charging compensation and commission. So do you charge in the engineers, uh, the entrepreneurs, or both? We just take a cut, um, a compensation um, commission of the payments to the engineers. Yeah. Right, right. So so the engineer, I mean, nobody pays until there's a yeah. deal, right? And then yeah, and then you take a percentage. So, yeah. so, you know, I think that's really smart what you're talking about building, because one of the big challenges for startups that I've seen is they may know generally what they're trying to accomplish, but they don't know the, the way they are. And, you know, you mentioned ways. I mean, you're literally creating a, a path there. Right. And yeah. I think that's a great analogy and um, and, you know, could be really valuable to a lot of startups. Um, I've seen that that issue coming up you know the other big challenge with the kind of company you're building and you you know you've already had success with is getting um is marketing really you know you've got a two-sided business model so how did you do this you know this is something we talk about with students all the time you got to get everybody to the party right to get something going yeah it's it's, it's very hard um it's something we think about every day all right um I think for us, is we see it like a matchmaking tool. We see it a lot like Tinder. We've got to get the ladies first into the room, right? Um, and then, you know, as long as they're happy and they're optimistic, then we get the other parties. So we first, the most important side of the network, without which a grouper doesn't exist, are the founding engineers. And so for us, we spent the first three to six months understanding them deeply and not wanted to understand them more than anybody in the world. We wanted to know when they wake up, when they sleep, when they work. We even have data on the time in the night that they most likely work. An average um, fang engineer, how much they make, how many kids they have, right? how their wife sees rigs, how they see rigs. And so we really deeply, deeply understand their motivation. We understand that their occasion, um, you know, uh, occupation is different from their profession, is different from their interests and different from the other explore um, areas you want to explore. And so just deeply understanding them was the first thing we did, right? Getting, initially we had like hundred people who said they wanted to do this. And so spent time understanding them. The next thing we went to building a network of about 275 people. And so that's where we are now. But marketing has always been 
about understanding values. What, what do they value? They value innovation. They, they, they feel like they are trapped today and they feel like they want to get, explore the world. And so understanding that value for them is, it was the first step. Then on the other end, for a founder, what do they value? They just want to change the world and they feel like they don't have access. And so understanding this too, we can create a campaign that can speak to both sides. And that's where our mission came out from that we wanted to democratize access to innovation, we want to enable anyone anywhere to change the world. So that's that's it. Yeah, yeah. So so we call that, and you've probably used the term creating a customer archetype. So really and, and understanding a day in the life of, of your customer. No, and, and in your case, understanding that you needed to get the talent uh, lined up and then and then you know the magic could happen. So I'm really intrigued. You're talking about these engineers that are working for these big tech companies. They've grown large. You know they've gotten so large these companies, and it almost sounds like to me that you said a lot of them feel somewhat trapped. And you know sometimes from a talent perspective, if you've got if you've got a job with a company like that and you're you know, you've been there a while, you've got it, you've got what in academics, we sometimes call the golden handcuffs, you make yes. a lot of money, and it's really hard to leave that behind. Is that what you're, is that the same kind of mindset? It's hard to leave it. Uh, but so that, you, want, you still want that, that change and that, that, um, you know, that opportunity to do something different and more interesting, maybe. Yes. So um, the people we speak to, um, let's say about 20% of them, Today, 20% of Google engineers do this on the side, right? But 80% of Apple people want to do it, right? Yeah. And so when we speak with these people, we know that, okay, among this, say, 80% that want to explore, right? There's this 20% that can go and do it, but the risks, the risks is, is, the, is their personal risks. It's not, but there's another set of people that the risks has to also do with their family. They have three kids. The people we speak to like earn like 850K, they have three kids, they stay in the bay, their lifestyle is already up. Even if they want to take the risks, it's not feasible to do take that risk. And so that's part of why they see group as a bridge for them to explore, right? And, you know, don't have to get worried about what their spouse will say, how they will, you know, take that uh, massive, huge jump, right? So this is, it's a, it's a handcuff. But for us, we're just giving them another alternative path to explore without having to feel like they need to compromise on their current um, jobs or leave their, their bread and butter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, as you build this company and scale it, uh, do, will you have enough engineers from these five companies? I mean, is that a huge number that can sustain a scale, you know, scale, scaled up company or will you will you expand that or have you thought about that yet? I think a lot about that, but for me, I think a lot about disruption. Is it going to change the world first before how big is the disruption, right? First, the answer is yes, it's going to change how we do things. The second is how are we going to navigate and expand the market? That's one beauty about tech. You can expand it, a total addressable market. And so, yes, we're starting with the FANG engineers, but you remember they are older banks. They are newer funds. They are going to be upcoming funds. Like technology mm -hmm. is eating the world, right? Mm -hmm. So we we see this opportunity to expand, and we can even go down. Like for us, this is like starting with limousine, like Uber did, and go down to see them. 
Yeah. Well, I, I love the model. I really do. Now, you are in the earliest stages of your company. You started it last year. Talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges you've had and and some of the things you've learned over the last year. And in particular, maybe uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are really interested in two key areas. And one is, is you know, how and where did you get the talent that you need? And, and how hard has that been for you? And because uh, you're solving that problem for a lot of other people. And two, um, you know, what what have been uh, issues associated with funding? Have you have you have you taken money yet? And what does that look like for you? Yeah. Yes. Um, so talent. Um, the, the first thing I've, I learned when it comes it came to Silicon Valley is a stronger vision gets you get more attention. All right. And so the first thing I did the first three months was go deep, think from first principle, have thoughtful ways to express your vision, right? A lot of founders, you know, find it hard to really in one minute or 30 seconds make the other party excited and not just about what you're doing, but about how it changed their life, right? So people care about how it changes their life, not you. And so, um, I'm, you know, that was the first thing I had to do because, you know, coming from Nigeria, hiring in the U.S. is very different. People, yeah, they look for jobs that really, that's impactful, not just jobs that they can do to make money. And so that was the first cultural shock. <laughs> and then the second thing was just inspiring people and saying, this is going to change the one. Here's how, right? Showing that path and that vision. And um, we, I struggled the same way many founders struggle today. I struggle to find this, this the best talent to help me bring this vision. And that's part of why solving for us is also a way to solve for the world, right? And so we started learning and we used Grouper for Grouper, right? So we hired somebody from Uber, somebody from Amazon, somebody from Google, and we said, okay. And, you know, we did some experiments, some didn't work as well, but we now found the model that is, is working. And then we now use that tool to sell to the customers. And so we noticed that we could pay them in equity and cash. And that they care a lot about that. And then, yeah, it's, with respect to funding, as I mentioned, you need a strong vision, a vision that, you know, that wakes people up. You want to talk to an investor and it wakes up. Like they, they hear ideas all day long. And so speaking about Grouper, that's it's on a mission to democratize access to innovation. We want anyone anywhere to change the world. How you want to decentralize this access to talent and resources and everything. And so we got some investors who we got, we raised an angel round of somewhere around 250K. And so um, they were so excited. They, they, they did, it happened so fast just listening to it, telling their friends, great ideas, as I mentioned, it's easy to both attract talent and attract capital. That's that's exciting. And I'm assuming you've bootstrapped a lot along the way. As yeah. you started, you know, which is a very common common uh, startup uh, technique and, and actually leads to, I think, more creative uh, solutions a lot of times when you have to, when you have, when you don't have tons of money. Um, so the pandemic, we talked about this a little bit, but the pandemic's really changed the whole uh, workplace and the work from home. And you fit very cleanly into that. In your research, have you done a lot of, um, have you, have you found a lot of, um, uh, a lot of insight as to where you think we're headed from a work perspective? Um, you know, I know, I know a lot of, a lot of people are, are, you know, there's a lot of discussion about what's going to happen. And there's 
uh, a lot of people are, you know, speculating and a, a lot of employees are and workers are a little nervous about it because maybe they want to work from home, but they are afraid they might miss out if they're working from home. So what, what's your take on where we're headed with this whole work from th home thing? <laughs> so this is a very deep conversation. And the way we approach problems, we think from first principles, like um, the entire world thought that the future of work is remote, right? And we thought differently. The future of work, we believe is not remote, all right? The future of work is freedom and liberty. That's what people want. People don't want remote work. People just want freedom, liberty, and opportunity to work on their terms. That's what's happening. It, what's happening is not the, 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 the talk of war against, oh, I want to work from home or not. No, the deep conversation is around, I want the freedom and I want you to respect that. <laughs> and I want you to allow me as a professional to express my creativity where, when, and how I want to do it. And that's what people are looking for. And so one, coming from that understanding, we know that it, the conversation is not, even if pandemic is over, it's not going to be uh, around work from home or not. It's going to be, I want to even, I can come to the office when I want, or if I want, or if I don't, <laughs> I can work 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. or whatever time. It doesn't have to be nine to five. Nobody's talking about that now. Nobody's talking about nine to five versus um, maybe five to nine. Why should it be nine to five? People are beginning to ask those questions. So the real question is, can you give me the freedom, flexibility, and liberty to work on my own terms, right? Why holding me accountable to results and outcomes? And that's where we're headed. And that's why we really created this company to say that's the future. And we are putting resources to make that future come together. Into that, yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think that's what I hear too. I hear flexibility. I hear uh, from, from my students and from others that are, you know, in the workplace that they want to, that freedom, as you pointed out, to be flexible. Maybe it's coming to the office some, maybe it's not. So let's flip that around and let's think about it from a management and leadership perspective, because every, all of us in leadership positions that are now faced with this, this, this um, expectation from our best employees that we want to keep, um, you know, how do we work with that? How do we build trust, build the trust that's necessary? You know, how do we, you know, what are, what are some of the ways that we make this work? And, and, uh, you know, there's always been a lot of value in, you know, the interactions that happen when people are together. You know, really, that's kind of where a lot of the, even the whole internet philosophy came from, you know, this idea of connecting different fields, different doma uh, domains, you know, that's where creative insights and innovation come from. How do we get that when we've got this kind of flexibility? Can we get it? I, I think we can. And that's part of why I didn't say the future of work is remote because, because um, remote says they work you know, anywhere and you, you may not meet them, right? Yes, there are some, when it comes to execution, right? And work being distributed is great. When it comes to creative work, there's this serendipity that happens when you're in the same space. Mm -hmm. there's, this, there's something that happens there. And so I think the future of management is leading with context. So the context is what do we expect, all right? So build the context. Oh, we want to have brainstorming session. Can we schedule that for? And what's the best tool or best place? Again, it may be tool virtually, it may be place physically, right? So 
leaders, we need 21st century is being transformed by this phenomenon of freedom, flexibility, and, and liberty. So if you are going to do that, you have to lead both with context and with trust. Because trusting your best employees to execute is one thing. Right? But holding them accountable for the outcome is another thing. Right? So it's very hard. We want to control. Right? So this command and control approach is going to have to change. Right? Because management 101 has to change too. Right? So, so people, yes, they are craving for that freedom. You hold them and say, hey, um, but these dates, this is the outcome we expect. These are the dates. I don't care if you work 9 to 5 or 2 to 3, whatever time you work. This has to be accomplished, right? So people, when you give them more, you know, when you lend trust to them, they, they give you trust in return, right? And so I think that that's, that's what's going to happen. So the focus switches from control over your time and the way you work to the outcomes yeah. and the expectations. The timeline. Yeah. So I, yeah. It's always the way that I've wanted to work personally as well, because, uh, and I think it's probably, it, it, you know, it, it leads to, uh, it, it, there are challenges for a lot of people, I think, and, and uh, we're going to have to adapt in a lot of different ways. And larger, older organizations are going to struggle, I think, with that. Yes. Um, but what a great time to be a startup in, in the place where you are, because, you know, there's so much opportunity there. Every time, you know, we have a, a major revolution or change in, in, uh, in the world, you know, this, it creates an opportunity and an opening for yeah. innovation. And that's what you're doing. You know, as you were talking about your, your, some of your future and what you're, you hope to build, um, you know, I, I think that's so amazing to think about this whole pathway of how you can use your talent better because what you've just been talking about you can build right into that, right? I mean, it's not easy, but yeah. um, doing it thoughtfully with that in mind is, is a real opportunity and challenge, I think, for companies like yours. You know, I'm, I'm really curious as we talk about the future of Grupa, what, what, do you, what do you think is going, I mean, what are your hopes for the next six months and a year, you know, and, and who else is out there? Are there others doing this? Um, you know what you're doing, and you have a lot of competitors right now. Yeah, um, there are many competitors, right? When it comes to creating something new, is the old first, the old traditional way of doing things, which is regular hiring, right? Regular industries. Then there's yeah, freelance and um, marketplaces that exist today, right? That allows people to hire freelancers and all this. But what's, what, what Grupa is doing that is new is these people are not freelancers and they never want to be freelancers, right? So they don't, this, and there's this notion we have about freelancers that makes them feel like they're second-class citizens. Meanwhile, these people, they earn a lot of money. They want to be, quote-unquote, investors, with, but with their skill. So for them, it's like a new form of angel investing, mm -hmm. right? And so this is something new, right? Yes, it's going to be hard to really drill down into it just like Airbnb had regular hotel industry. So we have regular hiring systems. We have freelance workplace platforms. We even have some direct competitors who are trying to do something the same. But we, for us, we're just really extremely focused, extremely focused on the value that um, the startup founders want to get and the value that the experts want to get and how can we build an ecosystem. For us, it's not about just building a marketplace that helps startups build innovative companies and that's our vision so we're extremely focused on that focused on building a team that is more motivated towards creating that future and then 
fundraising, getting the right partners on board. I think it's really smart. So many entrepreneurs I work with are kind of uh, trying to do it all from the beginning and to have a really sharp focus and vision is incredibly powerful. So I, I um, you know, commend you on that. So, you know, let's talk about Sam a little bit. <laughs> you're, you're in a startup. It's a lot of hard work and uh, you're, you're juggling a lot, of, uh, a lot of balls right now in the air, trying to get it all done. Let's talk a little bit about, do you have any for our audience? Because a lot of our listeners are either early stage entrepreneurs like you or they're aspiring to be. Do you have any uh, tips and techniques that you use to manage your time and um, you know, it's extremely chaotic and, and stressful. And uh, <laughs> you just, you look very rested and, and happy. So, so tell me how you manage that. In, you know, um, I, I told people that I asked for this, so nobody forced me into it. And so I knew it was going to be hard, but not this hard. Um, <laughs> and so understanding that this is what you want to do first, like you love what you do and you talk about it with so much passion and you, you know, this would bring meaning to you. So you're all in. Many founders today don't want to be all in. They want to partly be in, do as you know, least resistant work, right? Um, for me, I go for the big problems. I like I like facing things head on, big problems, causing trouble, right? That's my job, chief troublemaker. And um, and so the big problems come to me. The ones that are not necessary, I, I find who. Right? Many founders want to do it all themselves. So find who who should do this, right? Should I be in that meeting? Do I have to be in that meeting, right? Running a, a, a two-sided marketplace or a market platform or a, an ecosystem is, is not actually two-sided. It's, you're running four companies because technically you're running one product for the startups, one for the you know um, engineers and people, one for the administrative system, and one for the, um, the system that help with management. And so for me, it's like I run four companies. And so dividing my time 25% <laughs> that way, that's where I see it. And so um, finding the right people is very important, right? If not, you just have to do many things and lose, you know, lose um, momentum. And once you lose momentum, you're gone, right? So having that energy, getting the right people, you know, prioritizing who, not what needs to be done, right? <laughs> and so focus on outcomes and not what effort needs to be put in. Is, is ways I'm use I'm using to be able to be sane while building this company. Yeah, uh, yeah. So let's do, do so I do some exercise sometimes in the morning, take some walks, get to think clearly. All right, and then um, yeah, just have incredible people. Yeah, well, I think you know the important thing is, like you said, this is something that you signed up for, so (laughs) you decided to dig in and knew it was going to be a lot of work, but but it's still stressful. And let me ask you, you know, one of the things we talk about is failure as part of the process of success. And what's your what's your take on failure, and how do you cope with 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 outcomes that aren't what you wanted and hoped for and expected? Oh my God. Um, so for, first, this is my third, third startup, right? Um, so I failed twice, like real, real failure down to zero. Um, and, but it's good. It's good. It tells you that um, certain outcomes you don't want, and you can easily predict a path. There's a pattern towards failure in outcomes. So you start looking at patterns and say, hey, we have to be more proactive to make things get a different outcome, right? Um, and even in the business, every day we make mistakes. We and then initially, I, I used to struggle with accepting some outcomes that are not required. For me, failure is just an outcome, right? Every effort, for me, I see this as a machine. 
there's an input effort <laughs> processing and there's an outcome. Is that positive or negative? If it's negative, how do we ensure that we get positive outcome as more often as possible? And then if, if it's it, that negative outcome, go back as a feedback loop into the system and then what can we do differently? Um, you have to be ready to fail every day, right? Sometimes you fail with a launch, you fail with a demo. I remember being on a, on a very important investor call. I think it was the third call and the demo just didn't work. I felt like this over, but you know, wake up the next day, keep at it, you know, doing things differently, maybe being more proactive too and saying, hey, what are the ways things could go wrong? And like, what kind of outcomes do we want, right? And then priming for those kinds of, of outcomes, but not being afraid of failure. You need to be ready to fail as more often than you succeed. And so um, I, you embrace it. I embrace failure, I embrace the outcomes and then learn to do things more e efficiently and differently. Those are often the biggest leaps in learning, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. And it doesn't work, it, then then you, you you dig in and figure it out and, and uh, it makes for a better tomorrow. So, you know, this has been a great conversation, Sam. I am just delighted to meet you and, and you're... <laughs> You just seem like such a positive, great guy. So I'm, I'm so anxious <laughs> to see the success of Grupa. Um, you know, one of the things I always ask my guests is to, if they had one piece of advice to share with our listeners, knowing that, again, it's a lot of uh, aspiring and early stage entrepreneurs, what would that be? Just diving. <laughs> I think that's just my advice. A lot of people want to evaluate the depth of the, of the sea before diving in. And sometimes you just have to dive in, right? Um, the biggest, the biggest leaps, big, the biggest um, progress I've made is just taking that massive leap. And so, if it doesn't feel like you are going, you are going to die, then it's not a leap. So you have to keep taking huge leap every day, and those leap now compound to making progress, right? So just dive in, do all you can every day. Make sure every day counts. Yeah, that's that's absolutely great advice. So how can our listeners connect with you? And maybe even more importantly, if we've got some uh, entrepreneurs out there that would really like to connect with some thing engineers, how can they find you? Yeah, if, if, for those who want to connect with me, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, <laughs> um, Samuel Ekpedier on Twitter. And um, if you want to find Grupa, just grupa.io, G-R-U-P-A.io. Perfect. Well, Sam, it's been a delight talking with you today. Thank you so much for sharing your time. I know you're really busy. And I hope that maybe six months or a year down the road, we can have you back on and just hear about all the success of, uh, of the company as you've grown. Looking forward to it. Amazing. All right. Take care. Have a great day. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.